going to talk about the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, uh, we're having big day. That's, that's really Palm Sunday. We call it big day where we invite people to come. Uh, you know, it's so important in today's world to be, to be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures. Go with me to Matthew chapter 3. We're only more than a couple. You know me better than that, right? Uh, Matthew chapter 3, uh, verse 13. And it says this, Then Jesus left Galilee to come to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But when he waited in the water, the, wa- uh, the water, John resisted him, saying, Why are you doing this? I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, and yet you come to be baptized by me. Jesus replied, It is only right to do all that God requires. So Jesus said, man, I'm going to do everything that's required. Everything that's required. We already know that he had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's he's the son of God. He's the only begotten son of God. He has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, I'm going to do everything that I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to give my life. I ask you to give your life. I gave my life to obey the Father, to do his will. I want you to give your life to obey the Father and do his will. And I'm going to do everything according to what I ask you. I'm going to ask you to get water baptized as an act of repentance. That, the baptism of John is an act of repentance. Saying I, Repentance means to change. I'm going to change, and instead of serving myself or, and serving this world, serving the devil, I'm going to start serving God. And so that's what that baptism is about. I die to myself, and I come back up out of the water, uh, born again. You know, the water didn't cause me that. The Holy Spirit in my prayer did. But it's symbolic of, hey, man, I'm, I'm new. I'm fresh. I'm doing this publicly to make a public statement. On Easter, we're going to film the water baptism. You're going to see people making a public statement. Man, I'm, I, this, is, this is something new. This is something I am different. I'm making a public statement that I'm different. I'm going to serve God. Jesus said, I'm going to do that. <coughs> There's a couple other things happen here, though says, then John baptized Jesus because he knew it was right. And as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him, and he saw who? The Holy Spirit descend out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. Otherwise, it set on him. Now, a lot of people depict the Holy Spirit as a dove. The Holy Spirit's not a dove. It says he sat on him like a dove. If you ever see doves, they, they kind of flitter in and they lightly land. He's, he, so he came at him like that and just, just covered him, just sat on him and covered him. So he's already been water baptized. What is this other thing? Why did the Holy Spirit come and do that? Because he's showing us that you not only need to repent and get water baptized as an act of, of change, that you're changing, going to serve God, but you also need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So both these things happen back to back. He gets water baptized, the Holy Spirit comes, and then the Father speaks to him. And he says, the Holy Spirit descend out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. Uh, Then suddenly the voice of the Father shouted from the sky saying, this is the Son I love and my greatest delight is in him. But Jesus, up until this point, we have no record of Jesus doing anything. There's all kinds of speculation. You know, he healed birds and breathed life back into things. And there's movies out. But none of that's biblical. We don't know any of that to be true. What we do know to be true, though, that, that we can say factually, is that up until this point, until the Holy Spirit came on him, he did nothing ministerially. The documentation we have by God is, We don't have any documentation of him doing anything like what people speculate until after 
He was water baptized, and, and then he, the Holy Spirit covered him. He got baptized in the Spirit. Then it says that the Holy Spirit led him out. He began to be led by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit empowered him to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, overcome the devil. After that, we see miracle after miracle after miracle. Things start happening after, that, after he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. I have a point to this. Go with me to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. We're talking about, we started talking weeks ago about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. That's who we're talking about. We're talking about God the Holy Ghost. Um, the, the Holy Ghost is the God that most people don't know. They don't, they don't understand the relationship that you're supposed to have. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says this. It says, Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The, the, Paul talks to the Corinthians and says, you should be eating meat and not drinking milk. You sh I shouldn't have to explain to you about baptisms, plural. The baptisms he's talking about is water baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Those are the two baptisms. Jesus experienced it and showed us an example. Now he's saying, you guys don't do anything until you get the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't do anything until he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the disciples and all the apostles all the apostles, all those following Christ didn't do anything supernatural until they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, Jesus said what? Wait here. Don't do anything till you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I really think that somewhere along in your life, you, you need to really consider receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you're going to be so limited as a Christian without it. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, you, you're saved. You have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, they had to wait on the Holy Spirit. We don't have to wait. He showed up that day. He's been here ever since. Okay, he birthed the church, and he's been in the church ever since. We don't have to wait. All we have to do is receive. All we have to do is receive. The Bible talks about yielding to the Holy Spirit. Yielding to the Holy Spirit. Yielding. You know when you yield, if I pull up to a stop sign and you pull up to a stop sign and I yield to you, what does that mean? Who goes first? The person I yield to goes first. When you yield to the Holy Spirit, you're saying, Holy Spirit, I'm gonna follow you. I yield to you. That's how you get led by the Holy Spirit is when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you begin to flow in the Spirit, you begin to learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit. That means he's leading your following. A lot of Christians leave, lead nominal lives and really struggle with sin and issues and stuff, even with the Word in some areas, uh, to accomplish things and, and never experience the supernatural. Matter of fact, there's whole denominations that are set up to talk about that the supernatural has been done away with because they've rejected God the Holy Spirit. Not for salvation, but for power. For power. If Jesus didn't do anything until he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all the apostles and disciples, the whole church didn't do anything until they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't you think 
We need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit before we start to do things too. That we need to learn to yield to the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we say, oh, Holy Spirit, you want to do this? Let me, let me step back and let you go first and I'll follow you. Romans said, you're either led by the flesh or led by the Spirit. A lot of Christians who love Jesus and are saved are still led by their flesh because they've rejected the baptism of the Holy Spirit and rejected the relationship that the Holy Spirit, that God, the purpose God sent the Holy Spirit. And that's why some people have so much struggle as Christians. And when you talk to them, their, their, their conversation is, I'm so glad I'm saved, but there's nothing a whole lot, there's not a lot more. There's nothing more. And they've never heard the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit. They've never heard. They've never been led by the Spirit. They just struggle. They're like, man, how do you hear? What do you do? How do you? They hear me say stuff and they'll say, Pastor Troy, you said you heard. How did you, how in the world did that happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happened. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I received the baptism. I re- the word bat- baptismo means to immerse. I received the immersion. When I got saved, I received the indwelling Holy Spirit. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was immersed in the Holy Spirit, clothed in the Holy Spirit. It's a whole different relationship. Empowered. Jesus said, you wait, because many days from now, you're going to receive, you're going to be endued. I'm going to give you power, the power of the Holy Spirit. To what? To be led. I'm going to give you power to be led by the Spirit. I'm going to give you power to operate in the ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation gifts. There's all these gifts. He said, I'm going to to teach you how to flow in these things. I'm even going to enlighten the Word of God to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to preach. You're going to share. You're going to minister by the power of the Holy Spirit at a level that you've never dreamed of before. Because it's going to be not just natural. That's why a lot of churches, a lot of pastors have given up doing altar calls because they're doing it all in their own natural ability, trying to convince people instead of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and allowing the power of the Holy Spirit that he said only comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Only comes through the baptism. These guys are saved. They're waiting in Jerusalem. They have seen Jesus die and be resurrected and float into heaven. They believe he's the son of God. They've seen it all. They saw his miracles. They saw his words. They saw his death. They saw his burial. They saw his resurrection. They walked through walls. He ministered to them for almost 40 days. They saw him do all kinds of crazy supernatural stuff. I mean, they know he's the Lord, the Messiah. They're saved. They have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, in the last book of John, it says Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. That's when they got saved. But he said, after that, you go wait in Jerusalem because something else is coming. I'm going to baptize you. I'm going to immerse you. I'm going to clothe you in the Holy Spirit and power so you can be led by my spirit and you can operate in the supernatural, not just the natural. So a lot of pastors, because they're still just kind of in the natural trying to convince people, have given up on altar calls because they don't, they've quit believing in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that saves people, not us. I pray every, before I ever come out here, every time we pray, Holy Spirit, you do your thing, man. We're yielded. We yield to the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit. We yield to the will of God in our services. So whether you're online, welcome, by the way, or here, we believe the Spirit of God is ministering to your children, the youth, everybody on this campus. 
And, and we have a relationship. The leadership of this church, we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I don't mean this to sound uh, uh, ugly at all, but when Julie and I met, I loved her from the first date. I've told you that many times. I loved her, and she loved me, and we were going to get married. And then as, we, as I, I even asked her to marry me, then later on I realized I knew she went. I already asked her a bunch of questions like, do you go, where do you go to church? Do you tithe? Do you serve? I mean, I, if she wasn't doing any of that, that, that wasn't going to be the relationship I was going to get in. And so she was doing all that. But then one day I started talking about the Holy Spirit because I know she went to a church that believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a huge church in Tulsa. And I, I kind of just naturally thought she was already baptized in the Holy Spirit, prayed in tongues and could flow. And I asked her and she said, no, I've never, I've never received. She goes, I want to, I believe in it, but I just never have. So we prayed and then she just pursued it. And I said, I'll be real honest with you. I don't think I can walk down the aisle yet. Yet. I was in love with the girl. I was going to marry her, but not yet. Unless you, until you do that. I want to be equally yoked. I want to know that when, I, when I'm struggling with my emotions and my emotions are raw or loud, that you hear from the Spirit of God from me when I can't hear. When I'm hurt or in trouble or, you know, just you know, upset or whatever, I need you to hear. I need a partner in this. And you need to be led by the Spirit. And so she pursued it, man. She went after it. She'd heard about it all her life. I don't know if you'd ever prayed to receive before then. But she knew about it, and she was going to a church that believed in it, and she had no problem with her families like that. But not one of them had ever received it and prayed in tongues and, and really and, and received the power of the Holy Spirit. And so... She did that. I was so, when the day she came and said, hey, man, I got it. I'm like, oh, let's move the date up. And that's what we did too. I said, I feel led by the spirit of God to move the date up. I want to get married and go on the honeymoon, sweetie. So she just shakes her head and turns red and just, He's used to me by now. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. He says it again to him in verse 49. He says this. And I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. This is the fulfillment of the Father's promise. Every promise he made to them, he's made to us. You know, people say, well, that ended back in, you know, Corinthians says that one day tongues will cease and the interpretation of tongues and all the spiritual gifts will cease when perfection comes. But perfection's heaven. Perfection's heaven. That's, that's, when we're in heaven, we're not going to need those spiritual gifts. But on earth, we need them. That's when they'll cease. But not until then. And if you read that chapter, you'll realize that in the very next chapter, all he talks about is spiritual gifts and how they, their proper use of them. But he says, I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you, so stay here in the city until the mighty power, everybody say mighty power, of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you. It's an immersion. It's a baptism. It's, it's, it's like being immersed in water, completely immersed in water. He's like, he's going to fall upon you. He's going to wrap around you. He's going to immerse you in the spirit of God and empower you to live this Christian life, to overcome sin in your life, to, to, and to just hear from God direction. Guys, I, I've lived 59 years in America on this planet and other parts of the world, 
And I'm going to be real honest with you. There's not a time that I've lived in my 59 years that people need to hear from the Holy Spirit for their life. If you want to be in the right place at the right time, if you want to overcome issues in your marriage, your family, stuff you're dealing with, if you want to overcome grief, put your past behind you, you want to overcome these things, man, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I, I, I gave my heart to Jesus, I knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. I'd heard him mentioned in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a Baptist church. I knew nothing about him. Uh, never talked, they never talked about the Holy Spirit. Talked about God the Father, God the Son, but never God the Holy Spirit. I never heard anything about him. And then I go to a church that they pray in tongues and believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, what in the world are these people doing? They're, you know, this is nutty. But I, I heard really good teaching on it like this. And, and so I began to read for myself. And I always tell you to do the same thing. But I, but I want to say to you, if all the apostles needed it, if Jesus needed it before he did anything, why wouldn't you need it before you do anything? Why wouldn't you pursue it? If it's for the church today, that's how the New Testament church was birthed, was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's never stopped. We need it today. So I got saved, and then a few months later, I heard this teaching, and I pursued it. It took me months to receive, but I began to pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I read it for myself. I'm like, golly, how can you ignore any of this? And so I began to pursue it, and I received it. And guys, I've been that. I've received it since I was 18. I've prayed in tongues and heard from and been led by the Spirit of God. And I'm because we're not perfect beings, we're not perfectly led. But my gosh, I could tell you story after story of so many times that God has moved so mightily, spoke so strongly that man, it's changed the course of my life. It's changed the course of my life in the in God's direction. It's helped me to yield to the will of the Father. It's helped me to defeat sin in my life in bucketfuls. I would not want to be navigating these waters right now without the leading of the Holy Spirit, without not having learned to yield and let him go first. Man, I don't know about you, I want God to go first. I want to follow, not try to lead him. Romans, Romans 8 says, listen, you're either led by the flesh or led by the Spirit. So many Christians are led by their flesh because they've rejected the baptism and the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, there's teaching that God doesn't even speak to people anymore. That Man, guys, that's a lie. God is the, he, he spoke in Genesis. He speaks all the way through Revelations. He speaks to people all through the Bible. Old, New Testament, doesn't matter. He's speaking to people constantly. He, he is the speaking God. He, he communicates by speaking to us. He doesn't add to this Bible some people think, well, if he's speaking, then he's add, you know, you're adding to the Bible. No, he speaks what the Bible says. He'll direct you perfectly in line with his word. He never says anything that he doesn't match and line up with his word because they're both inspired by the Holy Spirit. These men weren't just inspired like they had a couple thoughts. Oh, no, 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 no. No, they heard exactly what to write down, and they wrote it down. And God worked through each personality to write it down perfectly for us. That's what we need. We, we need to learn to yield and follow that. Go with me to um, 
Acts chapter 19, back to the book of Acts. I'm just continuing to lay a foundation. Pastor Troy, why have you taught on this so long? Because I just want to build your faith to receive. I want to build your faith to receive. I want to show you something in Acts chapter 19. Paul is, you know, he's doing his thing, man. He's a missionary. He's out. He's an apostle. He's planting churches and starting churches everywhere. And this is one of the things he does in in Corinth, the, 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 for the church of Corinthians, he goes, it says, while Apollos, Acts 19, verse 1, while Apollos was ministering in Corinth, Paul traveled on through the regions of Turkey, and this is, no, he goes to Ephesus, of Turkey, until he arrived in Ephesus, where he found a group of 12 followers of Jesus. So they're followers of Jesus. The first thing he asked them was, the first thing he asked them, the very first thing he asked them, he runs into 12 Christians, the great apostle Paul. The first thing he asks them is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? He's asking them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They said, no, they replied, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. How many of you, up until recently, when I started teaching on this, you know, have, have really... You know, if, if you've been around our church for a long time, you've heard me t- teach on it before. But how many of you have it previously in your life before Church on the Move had anybody teach you about the God, the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. So some of you did. Some of you did, but not many. Most people have no teaching on it. Or you have, how many of you have had negative teaching that it's not for us today or, you know, listen, Guys, that, that, that's not from God. And it's coming from people who love God, but they're misled when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The first question Paul asked these believers in Ephesus is, have, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? No, they replied. We've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Paul asked, then what was the meaning of your baptism? They responded, it meant that we would follow John's teachings. Paul said, John's baptism was for those who were turning from their sins, and he taught you to believe and and follow the one who was coming after him, Jesus the Anointed One. When they understood this, they were baptized into the authority of Jesus the Anointed One. This is the water baptism. He said, and when Paul laid his hands on each of the 12, the Holy Spirit manifested, and they immediately spoke in tongues and prophesied. What does that word mean, prophesied? They began to preach. Because you need the power of the Holy Spirit to truly be effective, to truly be impactful. And so you see a water baptism, you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it's the first question Paul asks about it. Hey man, you know anything about the Holy Spirit? We've never heard of the Holy Spirit. And most people haven't. Except in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You hear that prayer or people mention that but not a good teaching on it. Listen, the whole, the whole New Testament is about the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. The whole New Testament. Go with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm believing God that the Holy Spirit is inspiring you to, to develop a true desire, a true desire to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to have it to go to heaven. Let me just tell you again, you do not have to have it to go to heaven. You can go to heaven, but you will be limited. 
I'm just going to tell you, you will be limited. If Jesus needed it, if all the apostles and disciples needed it to operate in the spiritual giftings, you're going to be limited as long as you, and, and some people might be looking, well, Pastor Troy, I don't want it, or I've tried. Listen, there's no trying. There's no trying. God said, listen, if an evil human being can give good gifts to his children, he said, how much more will I give you the Holy Spirit for those who ask me? There's no trying. Trying's not faith. Trying's hope. Right? Trying's hope. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, wishing, but faith takes it to a whole nother level and says, I just don't, I not only see it and hope to have it, but man, faith says, I'm gonna receive it. I'm gonna get it. And I didn't get it the first time someone prayed for me or I prayed and asked. I had to pursue. And there's three things that can hinder you from receiving the Holy Spirit. Three things. And we'll talk about those in the next couple of Sundays. But in, in 2 Timothy, uh, did I tell you Timothy or Peter? Timothy, 2 Timothy, let me get there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this. Every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will, what? Empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature, and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. Listen, there's a process, there's a process and a product. The product of the Holy Spirit was the Word of God. The product of the Holy Spirit is He always leads you and speaks to you about the Word. That's how He leads you. But He's real specific about your situation. It'll line up with the word, but it'll be really specific to you. Really specific to you, to your life, personally. God's a personal God. He personally came and personally suffered and personally died. He's a personal God. He wants to speak to you directly about your circumstance, your situation. He wants to lead you and guide you and direct you. I don't know how many times Julie and I have been in situations where we, where we got to make a decision and one of us just has this check in our spirit. The Holy Spirit's just like, no, no. And if we aren't in agreement, we know, we're not moving. Because that means one of us is missing it, right? So we're not moving. It's the same way with the elders of the church. I go to them and say, this is what we need to do. This is what I think we, the direction God's taking us. And if we're not all in agreement, we don't do it. We're going to pray about it and get everybody in agreement. When we get in agreement, we'll move. But not until then. And so... I don't know how many times God, and then one of us will have a check or both of us will be like, that's not right. That's not right. That we're not going that direction. And then a few weeks later, after we say no, we find out. We find out later down the road why we said no and how God rescued us and saved us from tough, bad situations. Other times, situations didn't look like we should do it. But the Holy Spirit's like, do it. I'll give you a great example uh, man, the elders and I, we got together and we decided because I have this, there's a flow of the Holy Spirit. There's a flow of God. He starts, he gets you moving and then he'll, he'll, he'll cause you to grow and then he, he, he takes another step here. He, he gets you organized. 
There's an organizational step you have to take. There's always an organizational step. Even in your walk with Christ, there'll be an organizational step. What do I mean by that? Like, he'll get you reading your Bible every day. He'll get you praying. He, he's going to organize your Christianity. Why? Because he said his spirit, he always does things decently and in order. He's, he'll order your steps. He says that. I will order your steps. So he's, he wants to order your steps. So uh, we said we, we want to take that building across the street, the old church, and turn it into a, a, you know, a warehouse, a, a place where we build stuff and do stuff over there. Uh, and so, but I never had a piece about it. The price tag came in like 450, half a million dollars to renovate that to that, just to that storage facility. I never had a piece. I knew it was the right thing to do. We'd agreed upon it. I tried to, because I never had a piece about it, I kind of shifted gears and we're looking at the park. By the way, we'll be fully designing that park with architects and everybody here in the next month. Uh, here in the next few months, we'll have a full, complete design for that park that's going in next door. And so, I mean, it's coming. Our children and our families are going to be the most blessed. Our community is going to be blessed. It's going to be the most phenomenal thing that's it's incredible. Anyway, and so, but I, I never had a piece about spending that kind of money on it. I just never had a piece, so I shifted gears, but I never had a piece of starting the part. It's like there's something out of whack. And so the other day, man, I was talking to somebody, and we were having a conversation about planning this and the, the guy who's, who helps build stuff here for us, and uh, Jared, and so we're talking, and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, can we just put one bay door on the front of that? Can we just do, and then he's like, no, we can do this, and we can do that. Man, we got that down to, to we saved about $300,000 in one conversation, and then I said, now I have a piece. And then I understood why I didn't have, I'd rather put that money in the park and into our children and our families than into a warehouse. And so now, then, I understood why I never had, why I could never pull the trigger and say, let's do that, because I just didn't have a piece. See, that's being led by the Spirit of God, and I could have made a huge mistake and spent a bunch of money that should have gone to our children and not to a warehouse. But guys, I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I yield, I yield to the Spirit, and because I, I, I stop and yield and say, you go first. And I follow the Spirit. He saves us. He saves me. He, he recognizes and helps me navigate troubled waters in peaceful waters. I would never want to be anywhere in a war or at peace or just the day-to-day -day stuff without the guidance and leading of the Holy Spirit. I would never want to. He doesn't want us to. He, he endowed them. He covered them. He empowered them to write the word. And the same Holy Spirit that wrote the word wants to speak to you to confirm his word to you personally. He'll speak directly to you. But a lot of people never hear. They never hear and aren't really led by the Spirit or never discover the spiritual giftings that God has placed inside of them because they've rejected the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus received, all the apostles and disciples received. How could we say it's not for us? That's like saying Jesus' death and resurrection is not for us. He said, I must do all the things that are required. So we need to receive that. Go with me now to uh, 2 Peter. Go to your right. 2 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 21. So... The product of the Holy Spirit being in their lives is the word. The process in which they went to get there is right here. He says, actually, we'll start reading verse 20. 
He said, you must understand this at the outset. Interpretation of scriptural prophecy requires the, what does it require? That's why sometimes people can read the Bible and not get any understanding. Or they can sit in churches that they barely get taught anything and, and know something's off, know something's like, man, there's, there's gotta be more. There's gotta be more to this than that. There's gotta be more. Well, the difference is, is that the pastor or the people, the leaders are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so he says, you must understand this at the outset, from the beginning. That's the, the beginning. Interpretation of scriptural prophecy requires the... For it does not originate from someone's own imagination. These aren't, people are trying to relegate the scripture to nothing. I know famous pastors right now that are trying to teach that. That the word of God is just insignificant. Matter of fact, one of them, this is the most twisted thought I've heard in a long time from Satan. Uh, the Bible is just an old book. It's all about Jesus. Well, that's exactly how Satan speaks. A little truth with a lot of lie. How do we know about Jesus? The B-I-B-L-E. How do we know he's true and he's right? Because the B-I-B-L-E, if the B-I-B-L-E is not right, if one scripture in there is not right, if one scripture in there's a lie, if one scripture is there insignificant, then Jesus Christ is insignificant. But see how, how this guy twisted that? He's a famous pastor. His name is Andy Stanley. He wrote a whole book about this, how the Bible is really insignificant. In the Old Testament, he calls it the Jewish word. Should be thrown out. The Jewish, the Jewish word, the Old Testament, is all about who? Jesus Christ coming. It's a prophecy of Jesus. We need it. Then he says that the first three century churches didn't have the Bible. Oh, yes, they did. These guys were writing it the whole time. They had these books the whole time, and they had the Old Testament the whole time. That, that's how Paul proved to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah, was through the Old Testament. But listen, there's teachers. He wants to itch ears right now, and I'm going to tell you why. He wants to. This is why he wants to, because he wants to begin to say that homosexuality is okay, and this is okay. And that's okay. And this sin is okay. You don't have to be led by Jesus. You don't have to be led by the word. You don't, this is all archaic and old-fashioned. We don't live like this culturally anymore because he wants to itch ears. He wants a crowd. He wants to be culturally relevant to, to, to the world. I believe we're culturally relevant to the world because we're light in the midst of darkness. Just like someone was light to me when I was in darkness. We don't need more darkness. We need more light. But you need to watch what people are saying and what people are doing. Because there's, there's, the Bible says in the last days there will be many false teachers that are going to be, they're going to itch ears. And he wants to itch ears. He started this a long time ago when he started talking about homosexuality being acceptable to God. Listen, God will accept you where you're at. I, there's probably not a person in here that's not committed a sexual sin. So I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks at homosexuals. There's not a person here probably not committed a sexual sin. But and he accepted us the way we were. He just didn't leave us the way we were. And that, that's the difference in the message. They're saying that he'll accept you and leave you. Man, praise God. If he left me the way I was, guys, you, I would not be your pastor. You wouldn't want me to lead you anywhere. 
Thank God he doesn't. Aren't you, don't you all feel the same way that he didn't leave you the way you were? My gosh, Pastor Brett was a drug addict. I'm not just telling on him. He was, many of you, how many of you were hooked on alcohol and drugs and got free? How many of you are free? Yeah, you're free. Praise God. Praise God he didn't just say, yeah, come on in and I'm gonna leave you there. I'm gonna leave you in your, in your uh, sin. I'm gonna leave you in this, this, this hurt and pain. No, he said, I'm gonna set you free. And he says, you need the Holy Spirit. He said, for it does not originate from someone's own imagination. No true prophecy comes from human initiative, but is inspired by the moving of the Holy Spirit upon those who spoke the message that came from God. You have to have the Holy Spirit to be moved by the message. To be moved by the word, to even interpret it and understand it and teach it. How many of you, and I'm, I'm not bragging on us by any means, but how many of you for years just... Man, you, 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 you were saved, you were in church, but man, there are so many things you did not understand or know because you never heard it taught. I was that way. Never heard it taught. Never heard things taught. I didn't understand so many things. And then when someone finally who was baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to interpret the word for me and tell me this is what this means and, and this is how you live your daily life with this. It's more practical than you thought. It's not just, God didn't write it so far over our head. He wrote it right at our level. He wrote it for us. So we can live practical. We can make day-to-day decisions in our, and God is so practical. He's so practical. Everything he says not to do will hurt you. It's just practical. It's just that simple. If you do this stuff, you're going to hurt yourself and others. So don't do it. It's that simple. Don't do that. And the stuff he tells you to do will bless your life and bless others. Do that. It's that simple. It's two plus two equals four. He's that practical and that simple. When you, when you, when you look at it through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit illuminates it. Just like he illuminated this word to write to to us. We need to be led by the spirit of God to know who to to listen to, who to trust. You You need to be praying, reading your Bible on a regular basis, or you're gonna fall and be duped for everything coming down the pike. Listen, guys, they told us, vaccines, you will never get COVID, never. Is that true? Nope. We said it wasn't true. I said it. Thousands of other people said it. That's not, we don't believe you. Well, guess what? It was a lie. They said, point blank said, you will never get it. You can't get it or you can't even pass it on. Can you get it? Can you pass it on? That was a lie. Then they said masks protect you. Every study, starting with John Hopkins, the Vietnamese, every study's coming out and saying they never did anything, nothing. And then it was the worst thing we ever did to kill. Do you know we're one of the only nations that put masks on kids? We're what? The, the Europeans didn't? So many nations did not put masks on kids. They didn't put one mask on kids. Then they said to young people, you got only not only two vaccines, you need this booster. You know what they've proven right now? This is factual. That the booster does nothing for young people. Zero. But they told them they had to have it. Matter of fact, they got to the point where they got people fired, kicked out of the military, fired from their jobs because vaccine, vaccine. And now they know it doesn't stop you from getting it or spreading it. 
It wasn't true. It wasn't true. Almost everything they said. So what was this all about? This was about control. This was about control. I have a friend in California. Right now his fines are $4.8 million. Not the state of California is not fine. They've dropped it all. It's the county he lives in. They are so rattled. They hate him and the church so much. They find, well, a judge, just, a liberal judge just recently said, hey, listen, if you guys from this county want to take this to court, I'm going to tell you up front, what you're doing is unconstitutional. We were told that we were the evil ones for standing up. We're the evil ones for not masking up. We're the evil ones. Not that we didn't use any wisdom and we cleaned this whole building. We wiped down all that kid stuff every day. Every day we do stuff that's just wise. Wash your hands. Dude, that's wisdom. I did that way before COVID. I washed my hands. I used, you know, ask my wife. I used hand sanitizer. I washed my hands. I mean, I'm, I'm almost, uh, I'm, dry. I'm like, we're gonna do this. And so, but I did that before. That's just called wisdom. That's just, we need to use some, we needed to use some wisdom when it came to people that, that were vulnerable, the elderly and other people that had other issues. We needed to use wisdom. I'm not, I'm not arguing the, that we needed to use some wisdom with that, but to shut down the church was unconstitutional. And even this county that's fined them 4.8 million just got told by a liberal judge, what you're doing is unconstitutional. My brother said he would never pay the fine. They've dropped every fine against my brother, Legacy Church. Every fine, they dropped it. Every court case they went to, they won. Every one of them. Every one of them. Every, not one or two, every one of them. Every one. That other church in California won and the state had to pay him, like I can't remember, $2 million or whatever. Every one of them, we were told we were evil, we were wrong, we, were, we didn't care about people. It's the exact opposite of that. Can I tell you something that's more important than your safety? It's your salvation. Let me tell you something else. Something else that's more important than your safety. It's your freedom. Ask the Ukrainian people how important freedom is. They're fighting in the streets for freedom. They've kissed their babies and wives goodbye. Going to the streets and fighting with limited resources to defend their home for freedom's sake. Church family, I'm gonna pray in two Wednesdays, not this next Wednesday, the following Wednesday. I'm gonna pray for people. I'm gonna lead people in a prayer to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to begin to pray in other tongues. We're gonna talk about tongues. It's not something freaky or weird. It's just supernatural. It's cool though. It's really cool. And so um, we're going to talk about, we're going to do that on the 30th. We're going to lead you in a prayer. You're going to receive. And for some, we'll lay hands on if that's what you need. Sometimes Paul laid hands on them. Sometimes he did. Sometimes he didn't. And if you, if you really want to be led, if you really want to understand the power, if you really want God to show you all the spiritual giftings that are inside of you, guys, there's no one in the Bible that experienced any of this without that. No one in the Bible. Not Jesus, not anybody. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, if Paul and Peter, all the apostles, all the first church, the whole entire first church needed it, the, the 12 guys in Ephesus, the people in Corinthians, all of them needed it. Why don't we need it? 
We live in just a dangerous planet. I think we live in a much more complicated world that we need to be led just as much or more than they did. Seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it has to begin with this. It has to begin with, Jesus Christ, you're the Lord of my life. You can't, you can't have a relationship with the Father until Jesus is Lord. That means he's boss. And he's not going to make you do that. You have, to, you have to volunteer for that job. I volunteered. I'm like, man, I want you to be my king, my boss, my savior, my master, my leader. I, I, I'll take you any day of the week over Satan. I, I know I'm not capable of doing that on my own successfully. I can do it, but not successfully. A lot of people do it, but not successfully. I need you, Jesus. I submit my life to you. Your will, not my will. You have to accept Jesus like that. I believe you died to save my life. I believe you're the only way to the Father. And Jesus said, John baptized in water, but I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Listen, that's the only way to get the Holy Spirit. You have to first, the only way to the Father, the only way to receive the baptism of the Spirit is to first submit to the Lordship of Christ and believe that God the Father sent him. He was born of a virgin. He was holy, purely God and purely man, both Son of God and the Son of Man. Both. And he died for your sins and mine. And he rose from the dead. Because there's no, nothing can keep him down. And he did all that to save our lives. Listen, every eye closed here on, online. If you're online watching, you can close your eyes or not. We just do it here to remove distractions. If you need to remove distractions where you're at, you might be watching on Thursday or Friday or Saturday or next week or Whenever, if you need to remove distractions, close your eyes. And I want you to consider your life godly. Man, all the players are lining up. Russia, China, Iran just bombed a, uh, a site in Iraq right by our soldiers. I mean, all the players for the Battle of Armageddon. Israel's right in the middle of all this stuff with Ukraine and Russia. Israel's right smack dab in the middle. I mean, guys, all, everything's lining up. I really believe, this is just my belief, that... We're going to see, we're going to witness, the whole world's going to witness the battle of Armageddon. And it's going to be the, it's going to be the sign that everybody's going to see that you, that you need to get your life right. And I believe very quickly after that, Jesus will return. But I, I don't know that for a fact. It's just something I think. He could return tonight. He could return tomorrow. It could be 50 years from now. I don't know the exact day or hour. God said no one will. But he said, you'll know the season. And we're definitely in the season. I know when summer's starting. I know when spring's starting. I know when winter's coming. If we can sense those seasons, if we can look out and know that those seasons are here or are starting or ending, he said, you'll know the season in which this is going to take place. Guys, we're in the season. I was talking to a friend of mine tonight, one of our elders in the we're just talking about how we're just, we're so grateful. We're sure that no matter what happens, man, we're going to be in heaven forever. And are you sure? Are you sure? I want to say something to you that were raised in the church, raised around it, you know, maybe just raised in America so you've been around it. Jesus said, listen, if you say you love me but you don't obey me, 
you're a liar. If you have no desire to pursue a relationship with him, man, you really need to question whether or not you're saved. Because guys, when I got, when I got really born again, when he changed my very nature on the inside of me, didn't change my nature and my thoughts and my mind and my imagination. I had to, I had to work on that with him. But when he, ch- he changed my heart. He took out a nature that desired sin and put one in that didn't desire it. Didn't mean I don't, didn't sin or I haven't, but I don't desire it. Changed my nature. I mean, I had a desire to know him. And I was not perfect at it. I didn't read my Bible every day right off the bat. Or, so I, if, you've, if you've received him as Lord and you, you have a desire to know him, it might just be the process you're in. You're okay. But man, if you have no desire, you've, you, you, it's been years since you've asked him, Lord, what do you want me to do? I, I really think you need to think about, is he really the Lord of your life? How could he be the leader and the master and you never talk to him or consult him? You never look in the word and say, okay, God, you told me to do this, this, and this as a father, as a, as a husband, as a wife, as a mom, as a, just as a teenager, as a young person, as an older person. I, I'm not consulting you. I'm not being led by you. I'm, I'm your consultant. I'm leading you. I'm, I expect you to yield to me and let me do what I want. I'm going first. You know, I, I was in Chicago and saw thousands, thousands and thousands of people just walking along. And man, there's no churches in downtown Chicago that I could find. And I didn't have one inkling to share with anybody about Jesus. It's like their hearts are just hard to it. And I just saw the thousands of people and thought, wow, what a sad day when this thing wraps up. And all their hustle and bustle and high-rise apartments and jobs and cool clothes. And man, they won't make it into heaven. Oh, there was tens of thousands. It grieves my heart. I... I want to stand up and just shout, please, please listen. He loves you. Please listen. I want to tell you tonight, here and online, please, he loves you. What are you waiting for? Why do you walk in so much doubt and unbelief towards him? Don't listen to Satan, the preacher. He'll twist it. He'll lie to you. He'll get you to full of your own junk, your own opinions. Oh, he loves it when you follow your own opinions. He loves it when you think you're smarter than God. Because he thinks he is. You're not. I'm not. You're not. No one is. The only way to heaven is through the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you, by choice of your own free will that he gave you, saying you're the Lord of my life, I submit my life to you. If you're in here right now or listening and you've never done that and you want to, we want to pray with you right now or maybe you've done it and man, you've just lost your way. You started doing your own thing and led to one thing after another and man, you just, you don't even talk to God anymore. The only time you want to hear from him is when you're in trouble. 
And you, you want him to hear from you. You really don't want to hear from him. You just want to do all the talking and expect him to fix all your problems when you want nothing to do with him. It's not how this works. He's God. You're not. It's that simple. But thank God he loves us. He wants to help. He wants to help you. But he's not going to do it your way. He's going to do it his way. What's your choice tonight? You coming home? You going to pray for the first time or are you going to keep running? Stop running. Please stop running. He loves you. So online, if you want to pray with us tonight, right now, send us a message online. Just say, I'm praying for the first time. I'm praying for the next time. Do it right now. Don't even hesitate. Just pick up the phone and say, I'm going to pray. I'm praying. Here in just a minute, we're going to pray, all of us together. Here in this room, on the count of three, if you want to pray, you mean it. You really mean it. You really want to pray and get right with God tonight. One, two, three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on three. Just raise your hand up high when, when I count again. So here we go. Just say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to get right. One, two, three. Raise your hand up. Say, it's me. Thank you. All over this room. That's awesome. It's incredible. Okay, online and here, let's pray. Let's all, right where we're seated, we're going to pray. Let's pray right now together. Say this, say, God, I believe the only way to you is through your son, Jesus. For he's the only one that died for my sins, that was holy and sinless. His blood for my guilty blood. Thank you for loving me that much. I believe it. And I believe you raised him from the dead. By the same Holy Spirit that you want to dwell inside of me. It's what you said in your word. That's your promise to me. So I do what you said to do. I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. And I receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit right now. And God, I ask you, in Jesus' name, to forgive me of all my sins and teach me about your word, about the baptism by water, the Holy Spirit, and how to serve you. How to live the life you came to give me. Life, an abundant life. Thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Wow, what an incredible night. Praise God. Glad to be home. Come on, we can celebrate.